0: Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 18. One of my favorite uh, lesser-read Bible stories. Hear now the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. Hear now the word of the Lord. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they they knew who he was. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. So, for the past several weeks, we've been talking about the ways that we can begin to see God's work in our lives and in the world all around us. We've been focusing on this simple question, and that is how can we know? what the best way to live would be. Of course, that is to say, how can we know how to live faithfully? But how can we live faithfully if we don't know what God wants or even what God is like at all? It's a good thing, and this is what we've been talking about, that God has revealed himself in many different ways. When we started off With this this discussion, we started by talking about kind of big picture ideas, the facts that we can see how God has worked before and that that can help us to understand how God might be working now. We talked about the fact that by looking back honestly, without embellishment at the ways that God has worked in our own lives, that we can begin to see what God might be doing. After all, if we look back and hope to see what we wish God had done, then we risk missing what God actually did. But if we can see that, then we can see what God might be doing right now. And beyond that, we also talked about the fact that we can come to better know God by studying what he's done in Scripture. After all, these are accounts of the work that God did in the lives of the faithful. And if we're going to use scripture so that we can best understand how God has revealed himself, then where better to look than at the miracles that Jesus worked while he walked among us here? Last week, we looked at the first miracle that Jesus performed, the miracle at Cana during the wedding when They were running out of wine, and so Jesus' mother asked him, Can you do something about this? And what he did was bring not just what had already been. Jesus didn't just get the party back to where they'd started, but rather Jesus came and changed water into wine that was better than anything that they'd had before. And we saw that God is a God who uses the common things of our lives. The everyday bits and pieces which we might find most boring or monotonous to do extraordinary things. And so, this morning we continue looking at the miracles of Jesus. But I think before we can talk about the healing that Jesus has worked, we have to come to terms with a simple fact. And that is that healing is a complicated thing for most of us. And the reason for that, and you can see this probably in your own life, probably by looking at the people that you love, is that people don't actually like going to doctors. People don't like going to be healed. Nobody likes Going to the doctor. And it's not because we don't like our doctors. In fact, most people become kind of attached to the doctor that takes care of them. I've seen it many times when people go into the hospital for something serious. The first thing that they want to do is they want for their doctor to come so that they can talk to them. They know them, they trust them. And yet, We're so reluctant to go, even though we like our doctors. It's a strange thing. But in truth, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we just don't like admitting that we're sick. Because it means inconveniencing ourselves. It means knowing that our daily routine is going to be disrupted for a while. And what's worse, when you go to the doctor, oftentimes they'll tell you, don't do things that you like to do. Just take it easy, stay in bed for a few days, rest. It interrupts the flow of our lives. And so we don't like to go to the doctor. We don't like to go even though we know that there's healing that can be found. When I was back in college, I was a freshman, so you know I was making all kinds of great choices about my everyday life. Um, there was a period where I had a cough for six weeks and I didn't wanna to go to the doctor. I didn't wanna to go to the clinic because I'd gone to the clinic on campus once before and I had to spend an hour convincing people that no, I, uh, I wasn't actually just you know feeling the impacts of college bad choices and the partying sort of life but in fact, I did have the flu and I didn't wanna deal with that again. It just felt like a waste of time. It was going to be hard to convince people to actually see past what the rest of uh, the crowd might have and instead treat me for what I had. So I just decided not to do it. And so for six weeks, I went about my business with this horrible, horrible cough. I mean, it woke me up at night. It It was just kind of miserable, but I convinced myself this isn't that bad. Every once in a while, I'd get a glimpse of truth when my roommate would say, don't you need to go take care of that? Which I think was a polite way of saying, I need you to not wake me up anymore. Uh, But I didn't. Until finally, a long weekend came about, and I went back home. I came back uh, to San Antonio, and it was a Friday, so my parents were at work, but my grandparents weren't, so I went to their house. And uh, the first thing that my grandma asked me was, how long have you had that cough? So I told her, oh, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. It's been, you know, it's been a couple of weeks, but uh, it's getting better. And so I left there and went back, went back home to get myself settled in. And my mom got home from work, and the first thing she said to me was, your grandmother called me, and she told me that you need to go to the doctor. And so I did. I, I finally listened, and I went to the doctor, and he said, it's nothing to worry about. It's just a post-infectious cough, normal fare. Uh, it'll, it'll get better uh, as you continue to heal. But what jumped out at me from that was the post-infectious part. What I'd missed, because I'd been so stubborn, was that I actually had been sick. I'd been sick for a long time, in fact. Six weeks I'd been dealing with this. And just because I pretended that it wasn't that big of a deal didn't mean that it wasn't. When we see the scriptures this morning, we find people coming to Jesus for healing. This isn't something that would have been as simple as us going to the doctor now. These were times before uh, medical care was quite where it is today. And what's more, we know that the uh, detail here about as soon as the sun set, people went, means that this happened on the Sabbath, So people couldn't go until the sunset, because Sabbath runs from sunset to sunset. But as soon as they were able, as soon as it was permitted for them to go, they went and found Jesus, a man who they didn't even know, with the hope that he would be able to bring them healing. They came with their sick with their ill and diseased, and they came with their demon-possessed as well, it says, and the whole town gathered at the door. They knew that there was a hope that could be found in this man. So what does this show us about God? After all, we're talking about God's self-revelation, how God has shown us what we can't see on our own. So through this work that Jesus did, through the compassion that he had on all of these sick people, what can we see about God? We see it in the approach, in the confidence that the people came with, simply that they knew that there was healing to be found in Jesus. This tells us a couple of things. First, The fact that Jesus healed these people tells us that God is a God of healing. Tells us that he worked in the lives of these people and he cared about the individuals who came and he cares about each one of us as well. He cares for us in our burdens and in our sickness and in our pain. But it also reveals that because Jesus was working according to God's will, doing what it's so hard for us to see. Because he knew the will of God, because it was the will of God for him to be there in the first place, we can see that sickness wasn't a part of the design. If you look back at the very start of things, if you look back all the way to Genesis, what you find is perfection. And if you look at the end, what you find is that that's where we're going again is a place with no more sickness or pain. But at the time, there was sickness. And it's a result of the fact that our world as a whole is fallen, is separated from God. But we also see something else. We see that Jesus doesn't just heal the sick. He does this a lot through Scripture, don't get me wrong. Jesus' miracles largely consisted of helping people who had not walked for years to stand back up and move, of healing lepers, of curing people of all kinds of diseases. So it's not that Jesus doesn't care about those, it's that he cares about more than just those, because it says the people brought to him the demon-possessed, people who had spiritual afflictions as well as physical See, Jesus doesn't just heal physical sickness. He heals soul sickness as well. We might even say he heals the sickness unto death that we have. And if you look through Scripture, if you read through the New Testament, what you find is time and time again, Jesus casts out demons. Now, we might not talk about this all that often. That doesn't mean that we don't think about it, and it certainly doesn't mean that it's not in Scripture because the truth is, Jesus is always in the middle of this spiritual warfare, fighting against these things that plague people. And I think one of the reasons we don't talk about this part of Jesus' ministry as often as maybe we should is because there's this thought that I've had, you've probably had too, which is, I've seen the exorcist, and that doesn't really speak to my life experience. Some of you, maybe it does. I'd love to hear about it if that's the case. But for most of us, these sorts of spiritual burdens are not that crazy. But that doesn't mean that they're not there. There are things and forces, this is undeniable, that try and draw us and keep us away from God. That make it harder for us to come to him with our burdens. They make it harder for us to seek out his will and his guidance. There are things that are powerful and controlling and consuming in our lives. Greed and lust, disheartenment and worry, addiction and anger and laziness. Do you think that these things can't control you? I know that they can. It's undeniable that there are things that masquerade as freedom because they tell us that we can do what we want when in fact they're binding us until they're inescapable. These people came to Jesus not only with their physical illness but with their spiritual illness as well. We know that we can come to Jesus for healing. The question is, when we do, what do we bring? When we seek healing, what do we carry with us and lay at His feet? Do we come to Him with the burdens of this life that feel like they're just too much? Do you go to Him when your body starts to fail you, when you have that cough that just won't go away? When you're overwhelmed by work and it seems like there's not enough hours in the day to take care of the things that need to be taken care of? Do we come to him when the bills start to come in and we can't see how we're going to make ends meet? When we're worried about kids, about our jobs, about the future? Friends, it is good for us to come to Jesus with these sorts of things with these everyday burdens that so many of us feel? Do you come to Jesus when praying is hard? Or when the words of Scripture seem unintelligible? Or when our songs of praise feel empty? Because we should come with those things as well. Do you come to him... With the spiritual illness that we'd rather ignore? Friends, we don't like going to the doctor because we don't like admitting that there's a problem. We don't like losing the freedom that comes with innocence, with ignorance, rather. It's inconvenient and it feels weak to admit that we need help and healing. But here's the thing we are weak. We can't do this on our own. We may like our doctors as people, but we don't want the healing. Friends, it's one thing to like Jesus as a person, but we have to ask ourselves do we want the healing that he comes to offer? Because he gives us a prescription, and it's simple. He tells us to go and be washed clean by the waters of baptism. To join him at the table for a good meal. And then, as he told many all throughout his ministry, to stand up and go and sin no more. To leave behind the burdens and the sickness that we've known and to follow him instead. Friends, the power of Jesus is so great, it's so complete. That the things that control us, which we feel powerless against, are themselves powerless to even speak in his presence. And in his power, he sets us free. Not in this false freedom that says we can do what we want, but in that true freedom that says we can do what we were made for. We can know life in abundance We can know joy because freedom is about more than just what you do. Freedom is about what controls you. We know that we can come to Jesus with all of our burdens, with all of our sicknesses, and we can find healing. We know that Jesus sets us free from the bonds of sin and death. And most of all, as we see here In this miracle, as Jesus himself revealed, he sets us free to live a full life, an abundant life of wholeness and wellness and joy and unconditional hope. And it's only because in him we can find healing from what really plagues us. Thanks be to God who lets us come to him. Amen.